0: Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified life coach and published author with a decade-long background working in the health, wellness, and fitness industry as a personal trainer, nutrition specialist, and life coach. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you might be struggling with some confidence issues or struggling with feeling like you're not living your most fulfilling or authentic life. You may be trying to figure out why you have these amazing desires for what your most fulfilling life would look like, but you can't seem to create consistent action in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to truly live a fulfilled and authentic life from the inside out. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover some of the reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living that most fulfilling life. But don't worry, this isn't about blame, guilt, or shame. This is about empowering you to see. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, Are you ready to start living your most fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. You picked a fascinating episode to listen in on this week. I say it every week, and I truly mean it because all of these episodes are super fascinating. This week's episode, I'm particularly excited about um, because it's something I talk about quite frequently. So yeah, we just finished our three-part series on authenticity and health. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that three-part series, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last three episodes and really take to heart the stuff that I talked about in those three episodes because it's going to be really important for a lot of different reasons in your life. But the reason I bring this up is because during this three-part series, the concept of escaping came up quite a bit, and that's what I'm talking about today. And this is also something that I've addressed in previous podcast episodes, where I talked about, for instance, the series that I did on emotional pain, and how people try to um, attempt to escape it with what I call buffering behaviors. Um, And today, we're going to talk about it uh, from the aspect of it being about escape, I talked with you all about the difference between true and false desires before, and how one of the major ways to tell the difference between a true and a false desire is what I call the net consequence on the other side. And how we figure this out is basically the consequence on the other side of the behavior, of the action. We can ask the question, does it bring us closer to the life we truly desire to be expressing, or is it keeping us stagnant or moving further away from expressing ourselves and that life the way that we truly desire to want to? For instance, if we desire a life of financial security, then false desires would involve spending money or using money in a way that leaves us further from that place of financial security. So, anything that we desire to do that results in moving us closer in some way to that place of financial security that we have envisioned as, you know, we set our goal, anything that we would take in action for that is something that is a true desire because the net consequence on the other side brings us closer, okay? Um, So I've talked with you all about... How when we try to escape emotional experiences, in my, my series that I did on emotional pain, that we don't ever truly escape. And the reason why is because the emotions are still there. They're still there, even if we've kind of pushed them into the background or shoved them into a box or we're holding them under the surface. They're still there and they're still going to come back up on the other side of the numbing behavior. And oftentimes they come back up even stronger than when we were trying to resist them or escape from them or hide from them. They never went away. Basically what we do when we attempt to escape is we just alter or reject seeing them for what they actually are. And uh, I've talked with you all about the importance of staying present with our emotions, because even if we numb ourselves to them, the pain or the experience of the emotion is still happening. So there is no such thing as truly escaping emotions. We just basically put off the inevitable and we create more resistance and we create more suffering and we create more reactivity and explosiveness to the emotions. And so, yeah, basically we we just become resistant and reactive, and we build up this tension and this pressure in the background and cause more and more damage as we don't lean in and learn with these emotions. And eventually, this pressure explodes all over our lives in ways that leaves us feeling broken and confused, and we've created suffering for ourselves. And so I think you all maybe after hearing that, and if you haven't heard these episodes, go back and listen, but maybe you're starting to see that aspect of attempting to escape. But I also mentioned this idea of consequence for the actions that we take that are about escaping, about numbing, substances that we consume in the attempt to escape. So within these topics, there is this theme of consequence. And this is what I want to talk about today. I want to begin opening up this idea of these consequences on the other side of false desire. And false desires are like the ones that we're using to try and escape our true human and emotional experience. So I want to open up this idea of the consequences on the other side of false desires for us to begin seeing them for their effect in our life and in our relationship with ourselves and with anything in our life. And I think... The best way to see this and why I titled this episode Escape Debt is I feel is for us to look at it as we do debt. And when we talk about debt, we usually first think of financial debt. And the the concept here is, is very similar, very much the same. So debt is basically defined as the state of owing something, Most of the times we think of it as being money. But debt does not just exist in the realm of finances. We can create emotional debts in our relationship with ourselves and with other people. We can create health debts within our body when we go for periods of time where we ignore our physical health as an expense in order to be able to focus on something else. We as a species are constantly creating debts in our relationship with our planet as we trade comfort today for environmental debts that will be paid in the future. But here's the thing with debt. When we take it on, we usually do so to satisfy a desire in the moment, but it comes as a cost later, meaning the debt is to be repaid. And if it is not repaid, it continues to build and build until it creates so much dysfunction in whatever area of our life that the debt exists, that it begins to spread into all other areas of our life and create suffering for us. We can see this in our environment, too, in the way we're treating our planet. As we create debts in certain areas of our environment, we're seeing how it's beginning to leak out and spread into other areas. So, you know, the the way that we're polluting with plastic is now affecting our ocean, which is affecting, you you know, global warming and ice cap melting and salt content in the water and Other things, you know, so everything is sort of connected and touching each other. It's not like we can keep our debts confined to one little box and it doesn't, if we don't pay it back, that it doesn't end up leaking out and and going to other places. And this applies to debts in all areas of life, emotional, financial, relationships, environment, our health. When we have debts in one area, if we don't repay them, the longer we let them build, the more they leak out into other areas of our life and create suffering for us. And I think it becomes obvious for most people when we look at extremes, we can see it. We can see it with financial debt when people have, you know, declines in their emotional health because they're stressed about financial debts that are building and building. Their physical health is affected, too, as they lose quality or quantity of sleep, worrying about the debt. Their relationships with other people are affected in many ways, too. So we can see the effects of debt. When it is created and not repaid in terms of financial debt. But today, I want to talk about debts we create when we attempt to escape our human or emotional experience. Some people do it with food. Some people do it with sex. Some with alcohol. Some with shopping, gambling, drugs. The list is massive and ever-growing in our modern society of the options that we have available to us to attempt to use to try and escape that human experience, and the emotional true experience. So what do I mean when I talk about trying to escape? It's very similar. It's the same as the attempt to numb. In this case, we're talking about people attempting to escape the true emotional experience of their life with concentrated forms of immediate gratification and pleasure. I see it occurring most frequently, I think, with food and or alcohol. I would say nowadays that's like the most common ways that I see people doing this. But as I said, the list is endless and still growing as far as the number of options that we have available to us to use for this kind of escape. Let me give you some examples of what I mean here. Because I think that a lot of people who are using this method of escape in their life aren't aware that they're actually doing it. I find that many people believe that this is something that other people struggle with, but not them. Or they see that their version of it is this innocent, harmless, kind of benign behavior while other people are out of control and damaging their lives. And I'm here to tell you that any amount of attempting to escape your life and the reality of your human, human experience creates these debts. Okay, There is no benign or innocent version of this that does not have a consequence of debt on the other side. So here are a few of the real-life examples to maybe give you a clearer picture of what I'm talking about here. So one common example is what I call the golden hour after work. Um, Maybe you see yourself doing this or you see someone else doing this, so you can recognize this really quick. So basically, you get off of work and you immediately go get food or a drink to quote-unquote de-stress or quote-unquote decompress or calm down. Or you get home from work and immediately go to your refrigerator for food or a drink to take the quote-unquote edge off of your emotional state. And I know, I know, I know. This is, it's something that's so normalized in today's culture. So I get that it appears to most of us as being this really innocent, kind of cute, hee <laughs> hee, benign kind of behavior. Like, ooh, look, I'm having a little snack after work. Mommy, your daddy's got to have his, you know, little piece of cake or, or what a beer or whatever, glass of wine to calm down after work. And we see it as being this really sort of innocent, benign behavior. But my friends, I need you to see this for what it is. I want you to see this for what it is. It is an attempt to escape your true emotional experience. Not escaping it would be getting off of work, going and finding a place to sit or stand, and just be with yourself. Listen to your thoughts. Feel your feelings. Let yourself fully experience the emotions and the thoughts creating them. Let them process and find Your power in that moment to choose a response that serves you to show up as the fullest version of yourself without denying or numbing those emotions away or, quote unquote, taking the edge off. I believe it's Brene Brown that has a quote about this. And I might misquote her. I didn't write this down. I'm just thinking about it off the top of my head where she says, nothing could be more efficient than an internal alarm system within a human being, to let them know that there is something, or to pique their interest that there is something to pay attention to. And nothing could be more ineffective or inefficient than the desire and taking the action to take the edge off of that alarm system. And my friends, that is exactly what our emotions are there for. They are a spotlight or an alarm system there to show us Something that is going on internally. And most of us believe that it's something going on out there that is bothering us. And so we just need to go home and eat or drink to get away from those feelings. But the reality is we are creating those feelings by what we are thinking and believing about the circumstance or our life. And when we take the edge off of those emotions, that alarm system, we are taking a very inefficient, very ineffective, very, dare I say, ignorant path of action. It's like hearing a tornado alarm and then asking someone to turn down the volume so you can hear your TV show over it instead of taking the actions to get to a a place where you feel and are safe because that alarm is going off. And this is what we're doing with ourselves so often when we try and numb away and escape these emotional experiences is we are trying to mute that alarm system that is like, Hey, guess what? I'm here to show you what you're thinking and believing over here and how it's creating this, these feelings for you that you're trying to escape. But guess what? You can't escape them because you're the one creating them. And here's how you're doing it. And when we try to escape, we never get that option to go inside of ourselves and listen hear and feel and process and find our power in creating that emotion. Choosing with intention what it is that we want to do while that emotion is present and what it is that we want to continue to believe from that moment on. So it's about taking the time to notice how our thinking is what is actually creating that emotional experience. Not to judge the thinking... But to see that you are the one in charge of that emotional experience, not a circumstance outside of you, not another person. It's about taking that time to see what those emotions are pointing out to you in your thinking that might be you disempowering yourself. Or where you're using those emotions to create actions in your life that are not aligned with how you truly want to be showing up in your life as the fullest expression of who you know internally you truly are when you get past all the judgments that you think you have to have about yourself. Okay? So that's one common form of escape. Another common form of of this attempting to escape that I see is people busying themselves with work, with projects, in order to sort of avoid what is really going on in their experience of their life. The busyness is a distraction from what they're thinking and believing about their life and their relationship with themselves. Or you can imagine Another way of busying pe- busying is maybe going out and partying and drinking with friends all the time or going to events with friends all the time as a way to create this false sense of of pleasure and um you know happiness and comfort in their life in order to avoid the emotional experience of their life as it actually is. People can use this busyness as their method of escape. Busyness with work, busyness with social events, busyness with projects around their house or helping other people with their tasks these can become forms of escape when the motivation behind them is that you are not wanting to be paying attention to what you are thinking and feeling about your life as it truly is in this moment in its truest and fullest form and experience. Okay? All right, I want to give you one last really common example here. But I also want to say this. There are so many other ways ways that people can escape that we can talk about. And and these are just a few that I think are the, the most common that I think are going to help bring some awareness and help you understand what it is that is I'm talking about. So this one, I call this one the consumer purchase escape high. And what it is, I see people that are feeling unsatisfied with their life or their emotional experience of their life. They might feel empty or they feel bored or they feel like something is missing or... What it actually is is they're they are not showing up in their life in an empowered role and looking at what they truly, genuinely, authentically want in their life and taking intentional empowered action to create and express those things in their life. Most people don't realize that this is what's actually going on. They just know that something doesn't feel comfortable in their life. And that uncomfortable means they need to get rid of the emotion. They need to escape the emotion. It's bad that they're feeling uncomfortable. It's bad that they're feeling upset. It's bad that they're feeling unsatisfied. It's bad that they're feeling whatever it is that they're feeling. And they want to get rid of that feeling instead of looking into what it is there to show them. And they escape this feeling of discomfort by buying, by purchasing something. For some, it's buying, um, another collectible item that they, they collect so they can like have something else in their collection. Maybe it's a new car. Maybe for some people, it's buying a new house, buying a new gadget to make, make some task in their life easier for them. New electronics, new clothes, new anything. It's just about that dopamine release that comes with purchasing something new and that initial feeling of pleasure of having something new and novel in their possession in their life. Now, I don't okay, I don't want you all to confuse what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that buying something is bad. I'm not saying that anytime you buy something that it's bad or that we can't enjoy purchasing things in life. That's not at all what I'm saying here. What I am trying to say here is that we have a culture who is addicted to using this purchase enjoyment as a method to escape the true experience of their life and to create a false emotional temporary experience In that attempt to escape through purchasing. And this, this intention and attempt is what is problematic. When the motivation behind purchasing is not about expression of what is in their life, but instead it's about trying to buy an emotional experience in their life that they feel like they cannot have in their life because... They're not aware of what they're thinking and feeling and and creating their life. That's creating their current emotional experience. So they think that they have to buy something to give them that emotional experience. There is where the 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 true problematic part lies, and there is a huge difference here. And I need you all. I want you all to begin to see that. Okay, so all of the examples I've given here, they're, they're quite common. And that's why I chose to use them in this episode today, because I'm wanting you all, the point is I want you all to begin to see the cost of doing this in the form of debts that we create by taking part in these behaviors with the motivation to escape. And our current society, our current culture glorifies this sort of behavior and diminishes the, the the damage that it's causing us and almost tells us like, oh, you don't have to look at that. That's just silly over there. That's a waste of your time. Just keep doing it and enjoying life. It's okay. It's normal. Everyone's doing it. It's innocent. It normalizes it as being so benign that so many people are so deeply involved in these behaviors And don't even see the damage it's creating in their life because as soon as they feel the pain of it, they just go to one of these behaviors to escape again. And it just, it's encouraged on television, in media, and and, and everywhere we look. I see so many people thinking that this is just how life is that the point of life is just to cycle over and over through these various behaviors of escaping their true emotional experience of life because that's bad. We shouldn't experience those emotions. Be happy, 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 comfortable, 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 and avoiding seeing their true experience of what they could do with it once they saw how and why they are they are the ones creating that experience. And once they saw what it is that they truly want in life and then therefore can do differently to create that in their life. And the reason why I'm making this episode is because I want to blow the lid off of this. I want to start waking more people up to their power here. But to do so, we first want to see that this is a problem for us. It's not benign. It's not innocent. It is not so unimportant and costless that we can just keep sweeping it under the rug. Because this comes with a real and huge cost to us, my friends. I think that one way to begin creating awareness around how these socially accepted numbing behaviors are damaging to us is to start by looking at another extreme and work our way backwards into these quote-unquote normal, normalized behaviors to see how they're, they're no less damaging or even really different on a fundamental level as far as the damage that they cause for us and the debts that they they bring into our lives and that we incur by taking part in them. So I want to look at an extreme here, and it might be a bit shocking. Um, it's one that I think for most people could feel a bit shocking and, and is going to feel like an extreme. So the example that I want to talk about here is heroin. Okay, let the shocks, let the shocks go through your body. Let yourself be like, oh, come on, Seth, it's being, you're being ridiculous here. Come on, let's not go. I want to talk about this here. Let's look at heroin. Most people have a vague understanding that heroin is something that many people become easily addicted to, but maybe. Our understanding of addiction and and how it occurs is also very misguided because of the fact that we're being taught to overlook a lot of addictive behaviors that we have in our life because, oh, those are innocent. That's okay, you know? So we have this very misguided understanding of what addiction is and what causes it. And, And so we forget why heroin is actually addictive. It's not that heroin in and of itself gets inside people and forces them to be addicted to it. Heroin provides Such a complete escape from the reality of the human experience that people who use it are usually looking for that kind of escape. The issue comes in the fact that eventually heroin and its effect wears off. And here's where the addiction part comes in. Because the heroin wears off and reality is still the same on the other side. It hasn't changed. So also the desire to escape it Hasn't changed because most people wanting to escape reality think that it's because reality should not be that way, and that it's not bearable for them. So when the heroin starts, when the effects of the heroin start to wear off, and that same reality is there, and the person has the same beliefs of how unbearable it is, then on top of that, there is the effect that the body is not designed to escape reality in that way. It's it's part of it. So there is this consequence to escaping on the other side. And with heroin, that consequence comes in the form of physical symptoms as the body tries to re-regulate everything and begin functioning in reality of of what's going on in the body and in reality around it. And the body has to go through, in order for this, this chemical to provide this experience of escape, It comes at a chemical cost in the body, and the repayment of that is actual physical pain. And so people end up using it again and again to escape their experience of reality, but also to escape the pain of the consequence of that escape that is with this chemical. And we can see this so beautifully represented in such an obvious way here when we look at something like heroin. And, and the fact that when we take it, we know, most of us know on the other side, there is a consequence. We're gonna, we're gonna come back to reality after the, the effects of the drug wears off, and we're gonna have real physical pain in our body as our body tries to re-regulate itself and calibrate itself after that, that unnatural escape through that chemical. And then on top of that, reality is still the same on the other side. So we can see this so beautifully represented with something like heroin. But guess what? The same thing happens when we try to escape with food, with drinks, with spending money, with going out partying instead of sleeping and resting, continually having sex with more and more partners. The list goes on and on of the ways that we try to escape all of these are also an attempt to escape reality and our beliefs about it. And on the other side, guess what? Reality is still the same. And there is a very real cost to pay for that escape, whether it be with food With food, it's that we have excess body fat on the other side. We have dysregulated hunger and satiety hormones. We have inflammation in the body and real physical pain. The list goes on and on of the ways that using food to escape causes a real consequence on the other side to be paid for by the body. And by our view of ourselves, there is a cost to pay on the other side. And then people come down from the high of escaping with food. And the pleasure that that we, we feel when we eat it. And not only do we still have the same experience of reality on the other side that we're not taking responsibility for and ownership of so that we can actually change that experience because it's stemming from our own thoughts and beliefs. But on top of that, there is then that extra added cost to pay for. And guess what? When you believe that the best way to deal with the discomfort is to escape then guess what you do? You continue to try to escape and continue creating a larger and larger consequence, net consequence of debt and cost on the other side with each and every attempt to escape. There is something here that we are obviously overlooking though, because I personally know people who are aware of this. And that they're doing this, th- these things to escape. And that the escape has its debt that it's creating. But so many people also think that their way of doing it is not causing this sort of debt or harm. And that theirs is this innocent and harmless form of it. Or that it's different somehow. And I believe this has to do with how our society socially normalizes certain addictions over others. And demonizes others and zooms in on the damages that those demonized addictions have in people's lives. Think heroin. Think alcohol when it gets out of control. But yet some of us don't realize how out of control it is already in our lives. Because, you know, studies are showing more and more people are getting out of control with alcohol in their lives. And the more people that do this, the more we socially normalize it instead of looking at the fact that we have a problem here. So there are a big, two big truths here that I want us to look at and begin exploring. The first is that these behaviors are addictions. Addiction at its core is not a substance problem. It's not a personality problem. It is a learned behavior of escape. It is a learned coping mechanism that a person learns when facing stress or circumstances in their life that they label as being uncomfortable. It is a learned thought process. This is the core of addiction. It is the desire to escape. The reality and the true emotional experience of life. And the longer we teach ourselves to do this, the more forms we explore to escape. And the more likely we are to reach for more and more extreme forms of that escape as our escape debts build and build and build and the net consequence on the other side gets more and more uncomfortable for us and we create more and more suffering for ourselves. The second truth here is this, though. The escape debt is not dose-dependent to be created. In other words, it is not that you have to reach a certain level of extreme in these addictive behaviors or in these addiction behaviors. It's not that we need to reach some extreme that's not socially acceptable before the debt is created. The debt is created by intention, not by quantity or dose or frequency. The activity itself does not create the debt. Heroin heroin was, was created for medical use. And in certain medical contexts, it can serve a helpful purpose. With a certain intention behind its use, it can serve a positive purpose. But how it is generally used is through the desire to escape. And in any dose or frequency, when used for this intention, it immediately begins to create this escape debt in the life of the person using it. My friends, the same goes for shopping, drinking, food, sex, porn, gambling, work, busyness, people-pleasing, extreme dieting, exercising, any activity that is done from the desire to escape is at its core an addictive pattern, and it immediately begins to create escape debt in the life of the person using the activity for this purpose, no matter the dosage or the frequency of the behavior or the substance. It is the intention that creates the debt, not the dosage or the frequency. I really want for you all to begin to see this here. I know that so many of you out there believe that your behavior, because it's socially normalized now, is just an innocent little something that has no impact on your life. But I know if you look at this truthfully here and explore with some openness, you'll begin to see where the debt in your life is and where it's beginning to accumulate. Maybe it's in your health, in your relationship with yourself, in your emotional reactivity, your relationship and honesty with other people around you. Maybe it's in maybe it's actually beginning to create financial debt for you. Maybe it is creating debt in how willing and energetic you are to show up for doing the things in your life that are truly important for you rather than being stuck in in dealing with crisis and urgent. These are a few of the ways that these debts can begin to appear. But the list is much longer here. This is just a a few of the common and obvious ways that it can show up. And I know examples are, are helpful for awareness. So I want to give you all some examples here. Let me give you some real-life ways in which these examples show up to help. I want to create that awareness in this episode here. So so the first one we talked about was health. So how does this debt show up in our health? I think the obvious ways to to exemplify this would be when it comes to to food or drinking or, or really any substance abuse. It always begins to play a toll on health. And this is a debt because without repaying that toll, the body's health will decline more and more rapidly into chaos and suffering. Drinking, for instance, damages the liver. It damages hormones. It damages neurotransmitters. It kills neurons in the brain and creates inflammation in the the brain that leads to atrophy of the parts of our brain that are involved in higher thinking and analytical processing. It creates damage in the digestive system, leading to nutrient deficiencies. The list goes on and on. Now, this is not to say do not drink. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But if you do, I think it is important to realize what is going on in the body and the debt that is being created and having a system of repayment in place. For instance, when I plan to have a drink and then, you know, I also set in place a system of recovery from any damage caused by that drinking. I set that in place. Probiotic supplements, uh, good nights of, of, of deep and restful sleep are planned for after. Foods that will help replenish nutrients lost, to replenish my gut. Now, when I use alcohol as an escape, the debt on my body tends to be a little bit more. But I'm talking about even if I go to dinner and plan to have just two glasses of wine with dinner, I also plan a system of debt recovery in the following days because I know what happens in my body when I drink two glasses of wine. Now, this is up to you as to how you want to handle this. But this is just an example of real life debt that is created and then repaid in a way that is intentional. Now, where I see most people is that they are drinking, you know, quote unquote, just a few drinks every night to quote unquote de-stress. And then the longer they do this, their sleep is affected more and more and more. And slowly, deficiencies start to creep in. Inflammation starts to creep in. Mood imbalance starts to creep in. And they act as if they don't understand why. And usually, even if you try and point out to them, they almost refuse to see alcohol as that possibly being the cause. Because it's quote-unquote only a few drinks. I challenge you that if you have this thought process to, to get out there and look into the research about alcohol and its effects on sleep and what that means for the body or its effects on neurons in the brain and atrophy in the brain, go have a look and tell me if you still believe that your few glasses every night are not a possible cause for your volatile mood, your lack of creative energy, your lack of mental clarity, your lack of feeling fully rested and energized after a night of sleep. Go have a look and tell me what you think about it afterwards. And then there's food. Let's talk about food. Another obvious example of debt. When we use food to escape... The debts created here are fat accumulation, which eventually begins to create dysfunction in the body in the metabolism, in insulin. Um, Clothes aren't fitting anymore. Dysregulation of hunger and satiety hormones become an issue when we're eating to try and escape. Insulin resistance starts to occur, as well as overreactive inflammatory signals in the body start to occur. These are just a few of the debts that we create in our physical health when it comes to using food as a way to escape versus using food as a way to nourish the body and give it what it needs to perform at its optimal level according to what is important for us in life. So these are two big examples of how debts can be created in our health using addictive escape patterns that are, that are fairly normalized by our current culture. So we're talking about food and alcohol. So let's look at some of the other debts that we create, though. We, I talked about relationship with yourself. So here it's quite simple, but so many people just brush this aside and convince themselves that it's, it's not important enough to pay attention to. And I think the reason why is because, again, um, we're not taught to see our relationship with ourselves as being so important. And when we have a relationship with ourselves where we say that to ourselves, we convince ourselves to not look at it. And I'm here to tell you that, that your relationship with yourself is the most important relationship. Your relationship with yourself will determine how you show up for any external relationship in your life as well, whether that be with people or food or anything in your life. It's not something to just brush off. And if you find yourself diminishing the importance of this, then that is a huge sign that you already have a very dysfunctional relationship with yourself. And I promise you that it is affecting your relationships with other people too. If you took the time to look with, truth, with the truth and openness. So here, when we use anything, be it an activity or, or, or substance, to escape, the debt created in our relationship with ourselves is a debt of, of trust. We lose trust in ourselves. We lost trust that we know how to or will make choices to do what is best and important for us. We create debt in the area of respect for ourselves. We start to convince ourselves that we're not respectable enough to be important enough to do what is important for us, or what is important to us is important at all. We start to lose respect for that. And we create debt of respect with ourselves. We also create a debt of love. The more we try to escape, the more we send the message to ourselves that we're not good enough Our life isn't good enough yet, something is wrong with us in our life, and that until it's better, we can't be present with ourselves, and we can't love ourselves, so we escape. We create more and more conditions on when we'll be allowed to love ourselves, and we create that in our relationship with ourselves. And my friends, it doesn't stop there, because the more we create this conditional love for ourselves, it leaks out into how we love other people too. So, these are three of the bigger debts we can create in our relationship with ourselves when it comes to escape. We, we stop believing in ourselves to look at what is important for us or believing that what is important for us is important at all. We stop trusting ourselves to know what we want and to do the things to create and express that in our life. We stop respecting ourselves and we let people walk all over us because we don't even respect ourselves. We people please. We don't set boundaries. We start saying yes where we mean no and therefore end up saying no where we actually want to say yes. And we start believing that we're not good enough yet to love and that we have to get better with ourselves and our lives to love ourselves. But also at the same time, we don't trust or respect ourselves enough to plan or take the actions to create or express what is important for us. So we feel stuck, lost, unlovable, unworthy, disrespected, unappreciated, and a victim in our own life. And this is the debt that we create in our relationship with ourselves every time we use food, alcohol, shopping, sex, uh, drugs, etc., whatever it is, to escape our life, our truth, our emotional experience of life, or our thoughts and beliefs about it. So another another debt that we create is the debt of emotional reactivity. So with emotional reactivity, the debt again is quite clear You'll you'll see it in your life where you resist having emotional experiences because you're afraid that if you have a certain emotion, that a certain reaction that you don't want will be inevitable. You believe that emotions are caused by circumstances around you and that when you have a certain emotion that you have to act in a certain way if you don't resist that emotion. So you resist emotions and you avoid situations in which you might feel those emotions. You shut parts of life out from yourself to avoid certain emotional experiences. This is the debt of emotional reactivity. You cut out relationships in your life. You cut out activities in your life simply because you're afraid of experiencing certain emotions and therefore what your actions will have to be because of those emotions. This is a debt, my friends, a debt Of your true power in your emotional experience as well as your responsibility to choose a response that serves you and what you truly want to express in your life no matter what the emotion is that you're experiencing and not doing it in resistance to the emotion but in response to the fact of recognizing it's just there and we create this debt where we where we become completely disempowered in our emotional experience And we shrink and shrink our lives to avoid those emotional experiences. And this debt is only repaid when we start choosing to show up for all of our life, with all of our emotions, with openness, with empowerment, with responsibility to choose, with intention, the actions that will serve us to express our truest selves when we experience any emotion. This debt is one that I see so many people carrying around in complete unawareness. They're completely unaware of the fact that it's even there or that there is any other possibility in life than to have that debt on their shoulders. And then to live and they believe that the only way to live is to live in that state of emotional victimhood, emotional debt and emotional reactivity and emotional resistance. So that's another huge debt that we create here when we try to escape our, our truth and our lives, my friends. Another debt that we create is in the relationships and honesty that we have with other people. So here, here is one that has some examples that are quite easy to see and some that are not so easy to see. But when we start trying to escape the reality of our life and our true emotional experience, we also become dishonest in our relationship with other people about our life and our true feelings and our responsibility in those feelings and what we truly want from our life. We start hiding. And at first, we hide things that may seem kind of small, maybe insignificant to us in those relationships. And the longer we do this, the bigger the things come that we have to hide. And the more we feel the need to escape our life because we see all of the things that we're trying to keep hidden in it. We stop being honest with people about our needs. We stop being honest about our dreams and our wants. We stop being honest about our resentment towards those people because we're not meeting our own needs and we're silently expecting them to see that we have these needs and to pull us out of our hole of debt that we've created for ourselves and feel like we're a victim to. We become reactive in our relationships with other people, and we push people away to varying degrees. All of these are examples of debts that we create in our relationships with other people, and these debts are repaid by choosing to stop escaping our life. Start staying present in it. And in that presence, we begin being honest and open in our relationships around us again as we start to be honest and open in our relationship with ourself again. Telling our true yeses and our true noes telling our true desires, telling what our actions will be in life and why it is important for us. We repay this debt in this way. So the other debt we talked about, financial debt, this one's quite obvious. The more we use an activity to escape our life, the more we feel the need to use it to escape our life. The more of it we will need. And almost everything in this life has a monetary price tag to it. Even if the price tag is the time we spend that would otherwise be used in spending time to make money. So trying to escape your life most often creates a form of financial debt in life. And that debt is repaid by not escaping life anymore and making choices to build a level of financial stability and security and responsibility. When the escape method is food, the groceries, and going out to eat, these bills get bigger and bigger. With alcohol too. When it comes to shopping, the financial debt is so obvious there. The more we feel that we need to buy To escape, the more we pay because we need to buy more and more of it to escape our life. With sex, there is this real-life risk of STDs and the cost of the medical attention, the time being sick and losing money there, or caring for the disease is a real financial cost. So financial debt is a debt that we can see quite often in any attempt that we take to escape life. The other debt we talked about, it's the last one we're going to talk about today, but it's not the only one. The last one we're going to talk about is the time spent in urgency instead of on what is important for you. I wanted to save this one for last because it's something that I recently started looking at in my own life within the, within the last five years. So it's quite recent for me. I started to notice this debt that I was having in, in my time spent. There were a lot of things that I found myself wanting to do in my life but I had this feeling like I I didn't have the time to do them because I was so busy out there spending my time reacting to things that felt urgent in my life. I was running around my life busy putting out fire after fire, battling crisis after crisis and convincing myself that I didn't have time to spend on the things that were truly important for me and that this was because my life was just tough or it was bad or it was wrong or so many things were just going wrong in it. I kept finding distractions to escape my life when I was not in the midst of stress of fighting another crisis. I began to see that this time spent distracting myself when I wasn't fighting a crisis was creating the debt of time that I wanted to spend on the things that were important to me. During that time that I was escaping and numbing and distracting myself, what if I instead did something truly important to me? What if I just took one step? What if I just wrote a sentence, wrote that email? What if I just reached out to that person What if I just researched that one process? What if I just read that chapter in the book that's been sitting on my shelf with a bookmark in it that would educate me in something that was important to me? What if I just looked and planned some finances for an hour? What if I looked and planned what I would have to be able to do something important for me if I looked at my finances? What if I just looked at what my first step would be to move toward creating and having things that the things in my life that I truly wanted to express what if I took one small step that was doable today in a process that I was terrified to conquer because I thought I would never get there but that was important for me what if I took the time where I was distracting myself and did just one of those things instead the weight and pressure of the time debt would slowly get lighter and lighter and that's what I found and then I found that my ability to take larger and larger steps became more and more effective and powerful. I could see possibility to do things that are important, things that were important for me. I could see those, those possibilities opening up. And instead of feeling trapped and reacting to crisis in my life all the time, I started seeing possibility, not just to have a dream, but to really look at how it could make it possible in my life and bring it back to right where I am today and take that very first step today to put me on that path of expressing that possibility in my life instead of distracting myself, instead of trying to escape. I started feeling like I was creating abundance where it felt like a heavy weight of time debt before. And my friends, this is what I'm talking about here with this debt. It's a real debt of crisis that we let build up in our life, and, and we keep putting off what is important for us in favor of these temporary escapes into comfort. And we let what is important backlog and build up until everything in our life is this urgent crisis management that, we're, that we feel like we're stuck in. We don't even realize we're the ones that created that because we keep putting off what is important for us by distracting ourselves and trying to escape because we're afraid to show up in our life and, and, and do take the step. Because we're afraid we're not going to get it perfect, we're not going to get it right. We we have all these judgmental thoughts about ourselves, and so we just feel like we're in this constant crisis management. And then when we're not managing a crisis, we feel like a victim in our life, and we feel like the only thing that we can do is just use that time to jump to an this other extreme of escaping that life. So it's either crisis management or escape, crisis management or escape, and we don't even see that the more that we that we've Put ourselves in this situation, we put ourselves in this hole of debt in which we're just reactive to crisis in our life. And we we let the the, the debt build and build and build. The intentional choice to, to, to see the desire of comfort and distract and, and to do a pattern disrupt and just ask ourselves why we're doing it, that's what we want to do here. And to see what is truly important to us in our lives, that's what we want to look at here. And asking ourselves, Why am I not taking the step for that? What fear am I allowing to have power over me here? What is the one doable step that I could do today? What is the one sentence I could write, the one email I could send, the one plan I could set, the one look into my finances, the chapter in the book I could read, the one hour of research online, whatever it might be? What is the step that I could choose right now in my life, being fully present where I am right now? Now, I can choose that in this very moment that my hand is reaching for the food, for the alcohol, for the remote control, for the credit card, for the mouse to open up the porn site, for the phone to call over a sex hookup, or to call a friend to go out and have drinks, for the pill, for the needle, whatever it is that you're reaching for to escape, the reality is this moment right here is the moment of choice. I can choose to do something for me today instead of something... That creates more debt for me. And just adds to the pile that I repay later. This awareness that you are creating debt for yourself is the first step, my friends. Realizing that life is not doing this to you. You have power here in these moments. The moments of urge to escape. You have power there to do something. To not create more debt. And begin the the process of creating abundance in your life instead. It starts with awareness. Awareness. That you are the one making the choice to create the debt instead. That you are letting your brain run you. And that is a choice that you're making and you can make a different one. And then we begin the process of healing that. I'm going to leave this here for today. What I want you to get from this episode today is the openness to become aware of how you are creating escape debt in your own life. And that there is another way. Next week, I want to pick up here with part two of this the series on escape debt. And I'm going to talk with you all a bit more about what the process looks like to pay off escape debt. And how rewarding, fulfilling, and exciting that process actually is when we do it from a space of compassion and self-love, not a space of, of hurrying up and trying to get away from where we are right now so that we can feel good enough about, about ourselves. This process can be so rewarding, fulfilling, and exciting, my friends. So that's what I want to talk with you all next week. But for, for here, for today, I just want to create this awareness. I want you all to lean in and pay attention here and recognize it in your own life. All right? I love you all. I want to see, let's get out there and believe in the possibility of a life of abundance instead of a life of debt. It's the life that we're all truly designed for. So I want to see more people getting out there and living that life with intention, with authenticity. So let's get out there and do that. And until we meet again here next week to talk more, ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life Coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life Coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one on one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at SethLusk underscore coaching. Again, that is SethLusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.